minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Pack a Day Podcast, episode number 1006. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Have a very fun show lined up for you today. We are going to do a full 33 team mock draft. Everyone does a first round mock draft, but we're going to do you one better and we're going to do a full 33 team mock draft for you just because that's how we roll. Also, because there's three of us and then we can each have 11 picks, but that's a story for another day. Uh, joining me to do this is one, my normal special guest here, usually on every other Monday, the one and only Perry Goldstein. Perry, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, I am as well. These are always fun to do. I know everyone and their mother has done like a thousand mock drafts by now, but um, we are getting closer and closer to the draft. It is officially NFL draft week and it is mock draft Monday. We would be dumb not to do it. And this will be absolutely a ton of fun. So we'll go through and explain our selections and process in just a moment. But before I do so, we have another guest with us today. He is usually on the Friday uh, episode of the podcast with either Kyle Fellows or lately Kyle Fellows and Maggie Loney. He is the one and only Andrew Murtag, the only person on the team with a pack a day podcast tattoo andrew how the hell are you yeah i'm doing good i feel like i called up to the varsity team this week and uh yes that is a slam at kyle directly but then also <laughs> it's really interesting because i was trying to make perry my arch nemesis and failed quite quite admirably at that and so now i think i'll have to heel turn on maggie and uh maybe trash talk her during this episode well, I see, just that was, I, I know I was some smash talk going on. I refuse to let it happen. I don't want any enemies. I want only friends. Yeah, I, I, I noticed some smack talk going on, so I figured let's get, let's get you know Andrew and Perry together, and either it'll make things way worse or it'll make it <laughs> better. Either way, it should be fun. I'm on board with either. Yeah, <laughs> same here. <laughs> It should be entertaining one way or the other. But uh, Andrew, in case you were feeling like you were, you know, very special or anything like that, I just want to let you know we had very strict requirements for our guests. Our normal team name is the APA, uh, which is Alex, Perry, and Andy. Um, so with Alex being out, we could only go with another A name. So we went down the roster, and uh, your name came up first. So that's that's the only reason we did this. I'm absolutely honored to be the only <laughs> other option. <laughs> All good. No, thank you so much. So we will kick things off right away. So what we're going to do is, as I mentioned, a 33-team mock draft. We're going to go picks one through 33. We are going to act as if we are the team. We're not going to do what necessarily we would do in this situation, but what we think each of the teams would actually do. So we're going to do our best to predict it. We are not going to be making any trades since this is live, and it would be really boring for you to listen to us to try to barter over who is going to trade down between like the Lions and the Patriots from pick seven to 15 and trying to work out a deal. That's probably not the most uh, your, the, the most fun or best use of your time. So we are just going to go straight picks one through 33. And because he is our guest today, we are going to let Andrew kick things off with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This I'm sure we're going to all be left in suspense here, Andrew. So why don't you kick things off with pick one and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, I did probably hours of research just trying <laughs> to figure out who should be the top pick in this draft. And I don't think... Even Urban Meyer can screw this up, the the Jacksonville slash London Jaguars. Uh, it's pretty obvious that the pick is going to be quarterback Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. But I do have a, a hypothetical question. In some alternate universe where the Jaguars would pick somebody else besides Trevor Lawrence, do you think Jacksonville fans would want their money back on his wedding gifts? 
what what's the wedding gift story? I haven't seen I've I've heard of this. I saw something on Twitter about it, but I didn't look into it. So you're gonna have to tell me the story here. So somehow the Jacksonville fans got a hold of Trevor and his and and now Mrs. Lawrence's wedding registry, and they just all they they like bought all the gifts. So then Trevor turned around and said he was gonna donate like twenty thousand dollars to a local charity or something as as a thank you. But it's pretty funny. That would be amazing if all of a sudden they went in a different direction and it was like, uh, whatever <laughs> happened, maybe they select Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or something. And then like Trevor Lawrence is like, uh, do you guys want your gifts back? But no, I think this is a pretty foregone conclusion and, and way to kick things off, Andrew. That brings us to Perry. You are officially on the clock with the New York Jets. Yeah, so I think this is another pretty obvious pick. Everyone knows where the Jets are going to go, but they traded away um, – their, you know, most recent first round pick quarterback and Sam Darnold to the Panthers. So they need a new franchise guy and there's a whole new uh, coaching staff, new regime in there. So why not start a new? So I think the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson quarterback out of BYU. Yeah, I think that seems like the logical pick here. Zach Wilson is a very fun quarter, quarterback. I'm really excited to see what he does at the NFL level. In college, he had somewhat of an interesting you know, previous year, which, of course, he tore it up, but didn't have the highest level of competition. His offensive line was phenomenal, was very rarely pressured, made a ton of um, – you know, ton of throws that were just out of this world. Just a very fun quarterback to watch. Yeah, Perry, if if the Jets found a way to screw this up, you know, I know you're very in tune with the Jets since you're from New York. What would be the best way that they could possibly screw this up in classic Jets fashion? It's really hard to pick, uh, screw up pick number two, I think, <laughs> if you take anybody in the top of this draft. Um, but they, they need a quarterback. They, they don't have a quarterback. So it would be... I, I could see them taking Justin Fields. Maybe they throw a wrench in the 49ers plan and take Mac Jones. But I think it really sounds like uh, Zach Wilson is their guy. Yeah, 100%. Seems very foregone conclusion. Everyone has kind of said at this point that the draft starts at pick three. I think that this is a foregone conclusion as well. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I think this is, in fact, going to be Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. And I know I am one of the few that is on this train, but not only do I think this is going to be the pick, I think this should be the pick. I think Mac Jones is actually, oh, Andrew is just grimacing on camera. It pains him when I said that. I think Mac Jones is as good or better of a prospect coming out than Matt Ryan was when he went to the Atlanta Falcons. I think low-end Mac Jones is more around Kirk Cousins, which now, Granted, if you're going from Jimmy Garoppolo to Kirk Cousins, are you really improving that much? And a lot of things have to go right in order for um, in order for this pick to work out with Mac Jones to the 49ers. But I love the fit. I think he is phenomenal pre-snap. He knows everything and everywhere to go with the football at all times. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. I think he's got a really high football IQ. I'm going Mac Jones for the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Andrew, you want to fight me about this one? Yeah, I do, but I, I'm not going to too hard because I think, you know, we're doing this predictively, so we have to sort of take some of our personal opinions out of it. I think Mac Jones personally is about, is a second-round quarterback, and, and I, I worry about guys who have lead feet. And to me, that's what I saw with Mac Jones. Now, everybody's got a different, you know, talent evaluation strategy, and I'm, I'm sure you disagree with me quite a bit. I was mostly grimacing because this totally screwed up my plans at number four. <laughs> you you were going to pick Mac Jones at number four? 
I was not, no, but now now I'm uh, forced to actually make a decision, whereas before it was an automatic pick. Gotcha. So you're thinking if if uh, Justin Fields is off the board at three, then the Falcons don't have much of a decision. Right. I, I would definitely take Kyle Pitts at number four. And, you know, sort of my justification there is, number one, he's the best offensive weapon in this entire draft. I think if you look back through Falcons history, seeing the way that they use Tony Gonzalez um, and and sort of the weaponry around that and, and having Julio Jones and Kelvin Ridley and then you add Kyle Pitts to the mix and this offense suddenly becomes really, really scary. But the problem I have here is Atlanta has a new head coach. They have a new GM. They're taking a look at the future. They were a really bad team. And all the offensive weapons in the world aren't going to necessarily fix that. And I think this is this is a situation where you need to rebuild. And taking a look at the head coach that they brought in, I think somebody who, who can work really well in play action and, you know, building a quarterback uh, room here that, that can be pretty good this year, but then also to have the guy in the future that can take over you can deal with the massive cap hit that Matt Ryan is going to bring in 2022. And I think you have to go quarterback since Justin Fields fell here. So as much as it hurts me to pass on Kyle Pitts, I think the Falcons at four are going to go Justin Fields. I think they should as well. I don't know if they, I think it's going to be a really interesting decision for them and maybe they trade back a lot of different situations here, but if, if he's on the board, I think it's a, it should be their pick at four, but um, nice pick there, Andrew. I appreciate that. I think that's going to be a really interesting fit and in how he fits behind Matt Ryan and how that team goes into the future, but really smart pick for them. All right, Perry, you are up at five with the Cincinnati Bengals. I think no matter what happens in the earlier picks, the Cincinnati Bengals um, should take one guy and one guy only. Um, you know, we watched their young Joe Burrow run around aimlessly and then end up getting hurt. And so if you really want him to be your franchise quarterback, you need to protect him. And I think there's a generational talent this this draft in Penne Sewell um, at offensive tackle. So I am taking him with the number five pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. I would hope they go in this direction. They have to protect uh, Joe Burrow and the face, you know, the face of the franchise. He's already had one major injury. They need as much protection for him as possible. And taking Sewell here makes a ton of sense. There's of course those rumors out there that he wants to be, you know, teamed up with Jamar Chase, his former, um, you know, college receiver, of course, mm-hmm. which you know is not a bad way to go either. It's not like he's asking him to take Terrace Marshall or something at number uh, five. But uh, I think you have to go Penny Sewell here. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to fight anyone too much if they get him a franchise left tackle. Uh, let me ask you guys this really quick. If we take a quick pause here, um, if if you had to bet your life on one player being a Hall of Famer from this class, who would your who would your pick be? I'll start. So I'll give you guys a second. Since I, I, to me, it is Kyle Pitts. You know, just talked about him, Andrew, being the best, most talented player. I think he has the opportunity to be the best tight end of all time. That type of talent. That's a lot of pressure to put on any rookie. But I think he has that type of talent. He's a weapon through and through, whether you want to call him a receiver tight end. He's going to line up in the slot a ton and beat a ton of really good players in any way, shape, or form that he wants. But I'm going Kyle Pitts. Uh, Andrew, what about you? Yeah, besides Paulson Debo. Yeah, but they're in the same category. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I I was gonna say Kyle Pitts too. Not not to steal your answer, which is no, really boring for a podcast. But you know, when when you look at 
guys who make the Hall of Fame that are tight ends. Obviously, the big flashy pass catchers are the guys that are going to have the greatest opportunity. And Pitts is a, a generational talent. I, I can't even think. You know, I was I was trying to go back and think about who's the last guy who was like this hyped as a tight end. Uh, or, you know, offensive weapon, whatever you want to call him. And, you know, you go back to Eric Ebron, you go back Vernon Davis even farther. And I don't think those guys were even necessarily at the level that Kyle Pitts is. So, you know, if if you're going to give me one guy to pick, I think it's got to be Pitts. Um, to, yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to project. Um, I guess I'll choose someone different here um, and surprise everyone. I don't know. I always really liked Jamar Chase. I thought that he was a better prospect um, than Justin Jefferson. And we saw what Justin Jefferson did as a rookie. So um, if I'm right, which I'm probably not, and you two can, you know, scout draft prospects better than I can, I will go with Jamar Chase. All right. And you'll be able to hold it against us forever if that ends up being the case. So in 30 years, when we figure out, or I mean, what, maybe 20 years when we figure out the Hall of Famers from this class, you can hold it against us and probably make us look stupid. You'll probably be able to play a clip from this, which will be amazing. Um, This is a really difficult decision for Miami. I know they want to go offensive weapon here. You have Kyle Pitts, you have Jamar Chase, and you have Jalen Waddell on the board, um, which is obviously a phenomenal position to be in if you're Miami. I want to say Kyle Pitts. They do have Gesicki at tight end, um, but I mean, they have Devontae Parker and Will Fuller at wide receiver. Preston Williams is okay. This is a really tricky one. My thought would have been Jamar Chase, but I think if you're, you have Tua at quarterback, I think he needs to maybe check things down a little bit more, have a safety and security blanket. I just don't know how you can pass on Kyle Pitts. I'm trying to put my Miami Dolphins tinted sunglasses on here. I'm going to go Kyle Pitts, but I think they may go Jamar Chase. I think it could be a toss-up. It wouldn't even shock me if they went Jalen Waddell because I think they want that speed element as well. And, of course, he played with Tua at Alabama. I just think, as we just talked about and and how talented Pitts is, I'm going to go Kyle Pitts, tight end Florida, stays in Florida to play with the Dolphins. I think that's a really sneaky good pick. Um, and I, you know, I think one of the things that caused Tua to struggle so much last year is just, he just didn't have guys who could get open and he was so used to playing with those Alabama receivers. And I don't think you can go wrong with any of those weapons, but, um, Pitts would be really, really fun. Um, and, and certainly dangerous within that division. And you put me in a really tough spot here because I mean, you didn't put me here. (laughs) It is a tough spot for the Lions because they need wide receiver really bad. I had to Google this wide receivers for the Detroit Lions. I didn't realize that they had signed Tyrell Williams, um, but they do have Brashad Perryman, who they just brought in, Quintez Cephas, Geronimo Allison, Khalif Raymond, somebody named Tom. pause right there. They have Geronimo Allison. They don't need a wide receiver, Andrew. They are set. (laughs) They are good to go. Quintez Cephas and Geronimo Allison might uh, make up the two slowest wide receivers in the NFL, but... It is, uh, it's tough here because you have all the wide receivers on the board. I think Jamar Chase is a phenomenal fit, but you also could go quarterback here and you have a developmental guy in Trey Lance who slid that you can play behind or, or you can sit behind Jared Goff for a couple of years and then sort of turn things over under a new regime. And I think I think that's the way that I, I I could see the Lions going is going ahead and taking Trey Lance here, even though there is a massive, massive need at wide receiver. So you have gone so far, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance in your three picks. You've gone quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Yeah, which is not at all my drafting strategy. So you're making <laughs> me put on GM hats here and I'm Fair trying enough. to get the most out of my tenure 
That's, that makes sense. You know, you've got good picks here with a lot of upside, obviously, in all three. All right, Perry, you are on the clock with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, so you guys have kind of messed me up now, too. And I had a couple of options in mind, thinking that a few other players would be gone at this point. Um, so I'm going to have to switch it up on the fly. Uh, to be honest with you, I I know that wide receiver isn't exactly – a need for the Panthers. There's a couple of others that they could go for here, um, notably maybe tackle to protect Sam Darnold or a cornerback. Um, but I think with Jamar Chase still on the board, like why not give your QB another weapon? And I just touted him as what I think is going to be like almost a Hall of Fame level career. So um, I feel like I can't not take Jamar Chase um, for the Panthers at eight. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, certainly, you know, Robbie Anderson is going to be a free agent after this season. So I don't think they can make a ton of, you know, draft decisions and say, well, we're good with Robbie Anderson, who's a really nice wide receiver, but you don't pass on Jamar Chase because you have a Robbie Anderson. Um, obviously, they've got a you know fairly good wide receiver core all the way around, but um, I, I think that still makes a ton of sense. And he's best player available. So smart move there for the Panthers. And I'm really struggling here with the, the Denver Broncos, because if, if you kind of look at their team, the only thing they're kind of missing is quarterback. Like they've got good tight ends. Noah Fant's good. Their offensive line is solid all the way across. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick at wide receiver. You know, Shelby Harris, they could probably use um, some more pass rush, but they still got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Shelby Harris. Interior defender, you're not going to pick here. Maybe they could get better at inside linebacker. Corner, they just picked up Kyle Fuller. They've still got... Um, or they picked up Ronald Darby as well. And then I forget the other, they still have a, another slot corner as well, um, whose name I'm forgetting. Bryce Callahan, for, former Chicago Bear. Justin Simmons at safety, Kareem Jackson at safety. Like they've got a really strong team except quarterback, but Andrew picked all the quarterbacks already. So we're not in a great situation here. I, I think they could go in a variety of different directions. Um, I think a corner here still makes a ton of sense because both Callahan as well as Kyle Fuller on the last year of their deal, they could use help at inside linebacker and like Micah Parsons is such a Denver Broncos, John Elway sort of guy, but I'm going to, I'm going to go JC Horn. I just think he is the best corner in this draft. I think that might be a little bit rich at pick nine, um, but I'm going to go there for Denver. I think they continue to get their help in the secondary and there's not a quarterback on the board that helps them. I would normally trade back here if I were Denver, um, but, and get a corner later. But since we're not doing trades, I'm going to take JC Horn, best corner on the board, uh, pick nine for the Denver Broncos. That made me incredibly nervous because I thought you were going to take the player that I needed to take here with the Cowboys. <laughs> but that, that's the first defensive player off the board at number nine. It's quite And I think there's going to be another corner here at 10, huh? Yeah, well, the Cowboys have a lot of needs and they're pretty much all on defense. So I'm just going to take the best available defensive player at their probably biggest need, which is corner. Um, and that's Patrick Sertain, the second out of Alabama. All right, Patrick Sertain, which, by the way, if this did come to fruition, having two corners gone at nine and 10, obviously not ideal for Green Bay. Caleb Farley has injury concerns and likely the next corner on most people's list is going to be Greg Newsom. So if you're hoping that the next corner to go is somewhere between, you know, doesn't go 11 to 28, probably not great. It would be something that Green Bay would have to trade up for. But Perry, that puts you on the clock with another New York team. Yeah, look at me. It's like it's like we knew, Andy. It's like we planned it. Um, right. Yeah, so I, I feel similarly to the Cowboys. The Giants have a lot of needs. So they have some options here. Um, and I think 
defense could be fun. I originally was going to take Patrick Sertan here, actually, Andrew, if he had fallen as like a, a buddy with Adoree Jackson. But I think since Jalen Waddell is still on the board, you give Daniel Jones another weapon. You know, apparently they think he's the guy. So if he's the guy, then give him another weapon and see how he does um, and kind of add some spice and fun to that offense. Makes a ton of sense. I like that pick for New York. Obviously, you know, really talented player still on the board. I think a lot of people may expect him to be gone even by that pick 11, but Giants get a steal in Waddle at pick 11. Pick 12 here is interesting for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, to me, there's one player that screams off the board. Now, the Eagles are really interesting across the offensive line. Lane Johnson going to be a long-term starter at right tackle. Brandon Brooks at right guard. Jason Kelsey at center. They could probably use an upgrade at left guard. And then they just spent a first-round pick on Andre Dillard a couple seasons ago. And they also had Jordan Maliato, who is a what former rugby player who has actually played pretty well, still a developmental player, played a lot at left tackle a season ago. So they have a couple developmental players there that they like. Um, but we saw what happened when this Eagles offensive line just basically imploded a season ago. Literally everyone got hurt. Lane Johnson's had issues with injuries. So has Kelsey. So has Brandon Brooks out all last year. And I just think overall they can use depth. And oh, by the way, the best player on the board is Rashawn Slater. Now, if all of a sudden Dillard or Maliata end up being awesome left tackles and you're good with them, you can kick Slater inside to left guard. No issues whatsoever. Brandon Brooks, Jason Kelsey, probably not going to be there for a ton longer. So um, you want with Jalen Hurts on your roster as best of an offensive line. Again, you cannot do um, anything more than get weapons as well as offensive line protection for your young quarterbacks. I'm going Rayshon Slater here for the Philadelphia Eagles at pick 12. Yeah, and I think Slater was definitely the best offensive lineman on the board. But for the Los Angeles Chargers, I almost said the San Diego word, but um, <laughs> for, for the Chargers, what they need is a pure tackle. And, and that's Christian Derrissaw yep. from Virginia Tech. And so I think they're going to be very thankful if he falls into their lap because while this class is really deep, there's a lot of what, what people view as right tackles um, after this point. And Christian Derrissaw is probably the, the best of those pure left tackles. And, and the Chargers have done quite a bit to improve that offensive line in front of Herbert this offseason. I think Derrissaw sort of finishes that up. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. I think he's a pure left tackle, one of my favorite players in this draft, and a really strong pick. And you mentioned they get Bulaga, they get you know Corey Lindsley the last couple of seasons. Now they get Darisaw left tackle, really shaping things up on that offensive line for Justin Herbert. Again, we get Joe Burrow, a you know franchise offensive lineman. We get Jalen Hurts, a franchise offensive lineman, and now we get Justin Herbert, a franchise offensive lineman. I like those three picks for those three teams. Perry, you get to pick for your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. So the Minnesota Vikings are a really interesting team because putting the rivalry aside, um, they just have an odd mix of players left after this offseason. I think their defense is like has fully been a little bit depleted um, from last year into this year. And so there's a number of defensive players still on the board here that I think that they would go for. Um, originally, I was going to make a joke and like take a tackle so they could protect their $84 million man, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I think someone fun alongside Eric Hendricks um, in this defense, and he just feels like a Minnesota Viking to me, uh, would be Micah Parsons. So I'm going to pick Micah Parsons for the Vikings here, uh, linebacker out of Penn State. So would, yeah. would you say that Micah Parsons is the new man on the Minnesota Vikings? 
Oh. I was also going to make a little Lizzo joke there, too. So there you go, Andrew. <laughs> Harry, I don't know if you know this. I'm assuming Andrew does. But do you know that they literally bleep out the words Minnesota Vikings in that song in Green Bay? I love that. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic every time I hear it. All right. I'm going to go a little bit bold here for New England. But like every mock that I've done, I've picked this same player for the New England Patriots. And I just can't get it out of my head. It is definitely a little bit rich. This could definitely be a spot where I see New England moving down. But Patrick Chung was such an important player in their secondary for so long. They love having a quarterback in the back of their defense. And to me, Trayvon Merrick just feels so much like a Bill Belichick guy that can be the quarterback in the back of their defense. As I mentioned, definitely a rich pick here, but we know that the New England Patriots are going to pick their guys at their spots, do what they need to do. I'm going to take safety Trayvon Merrick for Bill Belichick to be the quarterback of that defense for the foreseeable future. I love that pick for them so much, Andy, and I hate that you just did that. Yeah, I know. The, the, the bright side is they have no offense, so it's okay. I, I think that's really fun, and knowing Bill Belichick, he'll probably trade down like three or four times yeah. and still end up getting his guy. So that puts me in a tough spot. Actually, what put me in a tough spot was J.C. Horn being gone for the Arizona Cardinals at pick 16, and so they have a pretty big need at corner, Micah Parsons would have been a fit potentially if he was still here. I think this is a little rich to be moving an interior offensive line and wide receiver is still a need and Devontae Smith's on the board. So I'm very torn, but I think if you're the Cardinals, you have to replace Patrick Peterson after all of these years. I know the injury concerns are significant with this guy, but I, I think you got to go Caleb Farley, the cornerback from Virginia Tech. If he's healthy, he could very well step in and fill that Patrick Peterson void in that defense and, and be a really, really huge asset to helping them improve on that side of the ball. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Great pick for the Cardinals. All, All right, right, Perry, you are up with the Raiders. Yeah, that leaves me with the Raiders. Um, you know, <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, their their coach always does something crazy. And so I always go back to some of their past couple of drafts where they take people um, like Clill and Farrell like way too high and just shock everyone. And then the board's all messed up. But um, I see that Devonta Smith is left wide receiver out of Alabama, who I know people have some concerns about body type or how much he weighs um, and I can't see the Raiders really caring all that much and I think he would be super fun in this offense um, alongside um, Henry Ruggs and um, why am I blanking on their tight ends name Darren, Darren Waller. Waller Darren Waller thank you I was mixing up two people's names so anyway with that stumble I'm gonna go with Devonta Smith from Alabama yeah, I, he, we almost ended up with a dream scenario for the Dolphins going, being able to get uh, Kyle Pitts with pick six and then Devontae Smith at pick 18, which would just be absolutely insane. But uh, you ruined right. everyone in Miami's uh, dreams and hopes. Uh, but again, now you team up Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith, uh, which is, again, scary fun if you're the Raiders. Um, we'll see if Derek Carr will be able to get the job done there. But uh, that Someone's got to compete with the Chiefs, you know what I mean? Someone's got to have yeah. an explosive offense to compete with them. 
you bring up an amazing point, and that absolutely has to be the feeling of some of those NFC West teams, whether it be the Chargers, the Raiders. Like you are going to have to put up thir- at least 30 points a game if you want to be able to hang with Kansas City in that division. So I'm with you. I mean, you can try to go the other direction and be like, we're going to be the team that shuts them down. Um, but being able to be the team that can score points right with them. And the Raiders had some success against the Chiefs last year, too. Right. So. I really like that pick. I mean, again, how can you pass up Devontae Smith at pick 17? So I like that a lot. And now I'm in a pickle with Miami because I got all excited when you're like, the Raiders do weird things. So I'm like, oh, they're going to pass on Devontae Smith. I can just easily chalk this one up for the Dolphins. So now I actually have to think. And if you know anything that I hate less, Perry, it is actually thinking. So give me a second here as I walk through. I'm having you know so much pleasure in this, Andy, making I know, right? make a thoughtful decision. Uh, it's the absolute worst. So uh, to me, Miami absolutely needs to address edge rusher in this situation. And there's a variety of different people who feel a variety of different ways as to who the best edge rusher in this draft is. Aziz Ojolari, Quiddy Pay, and Jalen Phillips are usually in that conversation. Andrew, just curious, who's your number one pass rusher? Quiddy Pay is number one, but it's not by very much. And then who are, who are your next two? Uh, I have Phillips at two. And Ojolari is three. All right. Yeah, I'm not going to go too far off your board here, but I'm going to pick somebody that stays in Miami. I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips at pick 18 for the Miami Dolphins. Again, uh, gets to stay in state. He had basically retired from football a while back, had some concussion issues, originally played for UCLA, goes to the University of Miami, basically starts for one season, tore it up looks the part immediately to be able to come in and still somehow through all of that, I think he just turned 22, if I remember correctly. So ultra talented edge rusher stays in Miami and they have to be pretty happy getting Kyle Pitts and Jalen Phillips in the first round here. I really like that a lot. And and I think, you know, edge being such a massive need for them and a guy with the upside that Phillips has. I mean, I I think if you were going to carve out what an edge rusher should look like, it is Jalen Phillips and uh, he could be a really, really fun player and a really fun story in addition to that. Now, I have the Washington football team, and I see an offensive tackle on the board, and they have a big need at offensive tackle. But I want to go in a slightly different direction, something that I think could be incredibly fun. This Washington defensive line is elite And if people don't recognize that yet, they should. They've invested so much draft capital. And if there's one player who could play right behind them that that could benefit more than anybody else in this draft from staying clean, it is Jeremiah Woso-Koromoa from Notre Dame. And you put him behind that defensive line, and this guy is going to be making play after play after play. He can play safety, where they also have a need. He can play linebacker. He can just be that defensive playmaker the swiss army knife and i i just love that fit with washington yeah i could not agree more i love that defensive line in washington that is a like you mentioned an elite defensive line frankly it got them to a playoff game a season ago literally their defensive line they had basically no quarterback you know antonio gibson played well um you know they've got terry mclaurin but like Teams have players of that caliber on it. They didn't have a good offense. Their secondary is not good. Their linebacker is not great. But they had a defensive line that literally was insanely good. And honestly, may have played Tampa better in the playoffs than any other team uh, did throughout the course of the playoffs, which is crazy to think of. Because I don't even – I can't even remember the dude's name who started at quarterback in that game for whatever reason. It's completely – Tyler Henneke, was it? Taylor. 
Taylor Heineke? Jeez. Yeah. I mean, what the odds? Of, I mean, go figure. But all right, Perry, you get to continue on the NFC North train uh, picking for the Chicago Bears here at pick 20. Oh, this is so fun to have to pretend to like the Chicago Bears. And I think punter here, right? A, punter? Good, a good a good player. Um, the board is at a really interesting place. Andrew, you shook me up there because I, I had someone else taking Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I'm also just proud that I can say that now. Um, you good. know me at all. I can't pronounce any names ever. Um, but I think, look, there's a couple of holes here for the Bears, right? Corner is a hole, um, and I think linebacker is also a hole. Uh, and so I'm going to take a player that I, I think is really exciting, um, and I think not to copy your position, but now that the you know a linebacker has come off the board, I think sometimes they fall pretty quickly after that. So I'm going to take Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa for the Bears. And the Bears are one of those teams. Like, I feel like certain teams have certain positions that they're allowed to have Hall of Famers at and then like positions where they can't have good players at no matter what. Like yeah. the Bears are allowed to have amazing linebackers for the entirety of football. So this just kind of continues the trend that they get another linebacker here. However, they're never allowed to have good quarterbacks. That's just how it works in Chicago. So exactly. um, yeah, it makes sense. The Steelers, again, they're allowed to have every amazing linebacker wide receiver they've drafted great at lately, but uh, it seems like they can't get a defensive back since Rod Woodson to save their lives. Although they did trade for Minka and he's doing well. So who knows? All right. I'm going to go pick 21 Indianapolis Colts. And I'm going to be the Packer heartbreaker. And I'm going to pick Greg Newsome uh, from uh, Northwestern as a corner here. I still think the Colts can use help in their secondary. And uh, to me, this is definitely a overall scheme fit as well as a player that could help them out both in the short term and long term. So I'm going Greg Newsome, Northwestern to the Colts at pick 21. When I didn't pick Tevin Jenkins for the Washington football team, my whole goal was to slide him down to Indy. And so I, I was I was very, very confident that's where you were going to go. Because I have this whole thing. Have you ever seen D2 Mighty Ducks? I have. The movie? Yeah. So the Bash Brothers, you know? Oh, them? yeah. That's, that's my dream for the right side of the Indianapolis Colts offense line. Quentin Nelson, Tevin Jenkins next to each other. And people within their division would have to write in their contract that they wouldn't play the left side of the defensive line because those two would absolutely wreck you. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun. So it would be interesting to see how they would do. I know Nelson right now is at left guard. I mean, do you, I mean, just imagine though, Nelson, Ryan Kelly is no slouch at center either. Braden Smith's a hell of a tackle. Like, man, if they added in somebody like that, that would, like you said, it would be like a bash. It would be like a whole line of bash brothers. So yeah, you're right. Left guard. So they would have to try to try to play Tevin Jenkins at left tackle left correct. tackle yeah yeah because yeah. they have sam tevy there now with Braden smith at right tackle so um i mean they could move Braden smith they could move the things around but um yeah who knows but either way even if they had to, i think he can play left tackle um i don't think that that's like completely out of the realm of possibility and i think when you're playing next to quentin nelson that makes things a little bit easier as well especially if you're a rookie so who knows it could be just crazy enough to work so all that talk to get back to the same place, I was going to take Greg Newsom if if he fell to Tennessee at pick 22, but they also do have a, a need at tackle ever since they lost, and his name is escaping me, he went to the Browns to play right tackle there. The really tall uh, guy. Conklin, Jack Conklin. Jack Conklin, yes. I was going to say Taylor Luan, but he's still in Tennessee. So, yep. um, yeah, so to replace Jack Conklin, I think Tevin Jenkins makes a ton of sense. If you're in a run first scheme, Tevin Jenkins is really fun. He's going to help to open up some holes for Derrick Henry um, and a lot of the stuff that they want to do. Yeah, 
Tennessee has sort of created a bunch of holes on defense this offseason, but I think you know you get a chance to fix that that right tackle spot, and, and Tevin Jenkins is a really good value at pick 22. Perfect. I like that pick a lot for them. And yeah, they haven't done a great job of replacing Conklin. Um, so I think that makes a ton of sense for them. I'm just going to do a quick recap really quick here before you get to do another New York team, Perry. So Trevor Lawrence, one to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson, two to the Jets, Mac Jones, three to the Niners, Justin Fields, four to the Falcons, Penny Sewell, five to the Bengals, Kyle Pitts to the Dolphins. Trey Lance to the Lions, Jamarcus or Jamar Chase, excuse me, to the Panthers, J.C. Horn to the Broncos, Patrick Sertan to the Cowboys, Jalen Waddell to the Giants, Rayshon Slater to the Eagles, Christian Derrissaw to the Chargers, Micah Parsons to the Vikings, Trayvon Merrick to the Patriots, Caleb Farley to the Cardinals, Devontae Smith to the Raiders, Jalen Phillips to the Dolphins, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa to the Washington Footballers, as Andrew likes to call them, uh, Zayvon Collins. I've stolen that from you. I don't even know Good. how many times, Andrew. It's I've, Yeah, every single time, actually. Uh, Zayvon Collins to the Bears, Greg Newsom to the Colts, Tevin Jenkins to the Titans, and that puts Perry on the clock at pick 23 with the Jets. Yeah, so this was actually this is actually a pretty easy decision for me. I was hoping there would be any level of um, offensive lineman here because I think that when you take what you hope to be your franchise quarterback, um, then you want to protect him because you don't want another Joe Burrow situation on your hands. And I think Elijah Vera Tucker is a great prospect. I know he's interior, not a tackle, but you know, you need your best five guys out there to protect your new Zach Wilson. So I am very easy and very happily uh, taking Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, absolutely love that pick for them. And that kind of sets things pretty well up. You know, I know uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers just drafted Bud Dupree. I think they like Alex Highsmith, who they just just drafted in the third round a season ago. Of course, they still have TJ Watt. But as you know, you can never have enough pass rushers. And the Steelers really don't have um, another player on their roster on the outside. Of course, Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt still pretty darn good on the inside. Uh, but for the Steelers here, again, we talked earlier about some of the top uh, players on Andrew's board. I'm going to go Quiddy Pay. Uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, edge from Michigan. I think that makes a ton of sense for them and the, the way that they like to play. Putting him opposite TJ Watt should create or should really help both of those players. I think that makes a ton of sense for the Steelers. Yeah, and then I'm up with the Jaguars and their second first-round pick at pick 25, and I'm in a little bit of a pickle here. Elijah Vera Tucker would have been an option. I think Trayvon Merrick would have been an option, but obviously both of them are gone. So I'm going to dig down the list a little bit farther than I wanted to and find a tackle because, as Perry so astutely put it, you draft a rookie quarterback, you got to protect them. And so I think that I am going to go with Samuel Cosme out of Texas. Like it. And the nice thing is Cosme could potentially kick inside as well. He has some versatility. I like him at tackle. Ton of upside. Insane athlete. Needs a little bit, a little bit of work on his technique, but um, would have a little bit of time to develop. They got Cam Robinson at left tackle right now. Overall, I really like this pick, and I think it makes a ton of sense. I've heard a lot of rumblings, and I think it makes a lot of sense that the Jaguars really like Pat Fryermuth, um, either with this pick or pick 33. Um, maybe spoiler for pick 33 eventually, <laughs> uh, but um, either way. Way, this makes a ton of sense and I think gra grabbing a potential franchise tackle ahead of a tight end still makes sense here from a positional value standpoint Perry okay. you are on the clock at pick 26 so 
Yeah, I mean, the Browns are another fun AFC contender, um, went further than anybody expected to. And um, I think one of the most fun things about them is their front. Um, and I know they just, you know, acquired Jadavian Clowney um, and they have Miles Garrett, but you want to continuously sort of feed that room with talent um, and you can never have too many edge rushers. So my um, favorite pick when I was planning out this episode, I said, if he's there, I'm taking him. So um, I'm going to have the Browns take Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia. Yeah, he was very high on a lot of boards and easily could have been taken as one of the top edge rushers in this draft. Uh, but he falls to Cleveland. And again, we've said it multiple times, you can never have enough edge rushers and pass rushers. And when you've got Miles Garrett on one side, just put <laughs> talented players on the other. And of course, Clowney can kick inside as well. It has the opportunity to become a real strength for the Cleveland Browns, adding Aziz Ojolari there. All right, pick 27. We know uh, that the the Ravens just made a trade with the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, to pick up pick 31, trading away their, uh, you know, really one of their franchise tackles in the process in Orlando Brown. Um, so I, I think they need to take a tackle here. They could go wide receiver and then tackle. They could go tackle and wide receiver. But we've already seen a lot of these tackles start to get taken off the board. I'm going to go with a player that I think fits them um, and just feels like a Baltimore Raven. I'm going to go Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama. I think he has the ability to play that right tackle spot for them sooner rather than later. A Jalen Mayfield and a Liam Eikenberg and even a Dylan Redunds could work here as well. But I'm going Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, pick 27 for Baltimore. Baltimore. And continuing that Alabama to Baltimore pipeline. Yeah, really. There's, truly. there's something going on in that D.C. metro area because the Washington <laughs> football team loves Alabama players, too. Uh, makes it to really, be fair, really I think easy. everyone likes Alabama players. <laughs> yeah. most part. All right. Fair enough. So I have the Saints at pick 28, and they have quite a few needs. Cornerback probably being top of the list, but there's not really anybody I super love at corner here. They do have some needs at wide receiver. I think you could go down the list and say edge, linebacker, kind of all all the defensive areas. <laughs> really, uh, all 11 spots on defense probably need uh, some attention paid to them. But I'm going to get a little crazy here. I'm going to go cornerback Eric Stokes from Georgia right after I said I didn't like the value at corner and I don't love it but I do think opposite Marcus Lattimore Stokes could be really fun and I think that gives you a lot of flexibility in your secondary I I think I did him actually there in my last mock draft as well and just his speed on that track in the met or in I almost said the Metrodome um and uh now I almost said the silver dorm whatever the hell the door the super dome is in New Orleans super, super dome. dome too many damn domes uh yes the super dome in New Orleans uh, I just think makes a ton of sense there so I like that pick a lot um if I could talk and think of domes better it would make it even better but I like that pick for the Saints and that brings us pick 29 Packers Harry Goldstein Green Bay Packers no pressure. With pick 29, I actually think that if the board fell this way, I would hope that Goot would stay here because there's a player that has fallen so far down that would look so good in the Packers offense. It's making me smile. I hope you can hear it in my voice right now. Um, (laughs) Somehow Rashad Bateman is on the board and the Packers are going to take Rashad Bateman and just explode um this coming season and if this happened in real life i'd scream happy happiness um so the packers are going to take rashad bateman from minnesota 
Packers going to the state of Minnesota to solve one of their long problems of not drafting a wide receiver in the first round. Love the pick. Andrew, what are your thoughts on Bateman? Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's really fun, just a route technician. I think, you know, there have been some people that have compared him to Devontae Adams, and obviously comparing any incoming rookie to the best player in the league at the position is a little rich, but I do see some similarities. I wish he would have been a little bit more to the size weight that we were expecting at his pro day, but I do think there's something to be said that maybe he was slimming down a little bit to run better. Um, but other than that, I mean, his tape is phenomenal. Yeah, no, I agree. He, I mean, I love that he runs almost all of his routes at full speed and he still has the opportunity to get better as a route runner. Natural hands catcher. He did have concentration drops that he'll need to work on, uh, but he does everything fast and he really attacks the outside shoulder of corners working into space. Um, everything I saw out of him is fun. I wish his years would have been flipped. He's got a little bit of Jordan Love in the fact that was really great the year before, struggled a little bit more in his last year with Minnesota. Obviously, we've learned that so that does not scare. So then he's even more of a perfect Packers. Yes, right. Does not scare away Green Bay in any way, shape, or form. So really like that pick, Barry. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. All right, let's jump to what everyone's been really waiting for, the Buffalo Bills selection um, at pick 30 here. They could go in a variety of different areas. I think defensive end or edge rusher makes a ton of sense in their offense. I'm just seeing what's available. I don't love what's here for Buffalo. Um, Had one of those top three still been there, I maybe would have went in that direction. I'm going to take a quick look here at my Buffalo Bills depth chart because – I don't have it memorized off the top of my head. No, a decent amount of it, but I would say maybe they go Christian Barmore, but they just invested in Ed Oliver. They're two totally different players. Um, you know what? I still think the best way to disrupt a quarterback in that conference is through uh, the middle of the, the defensive line, through that interior position. We've seen it with Aaron Donald. I'm not comparing Christian Barmore to Aaron Donald in any way, shape or form, but being able to pressure the quarterback from the inside is so huge. Um, I think they were hoping to get a little bit more out of Ed Oliver from this point. They haven't. They've got Harrison Phillips. They got Vernon Butler. A.J. Epinesa can kick inside on certain downs. But I think this gives them a better opportunity to get to Patrick Mahomes, which is ultimately the team that they need to leapfrog right now in the AFC. So I'm going Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, Alabama, pick 30 for the Bills. Yeah, and with Barmore's inconsistency, I think the idea of putting him on a team where Sean McDermott is motivating him, and he's got somebody like Ed Oliver next to him to really get him to play up to his potential, and that could be a really, really special defensive line. Yeah, that's definitely all the things I was thinking about as I made that selection as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Yeah, I was just articulating for you. Um, So Baltimore... At 31, at 27, they they took Alex Leatherwood, and so that addresses the offensive tackle need. And I think there's a couple of positions that I'd be looking at. Edge rusher is definitely one of them, and wide receiver. The problem is the wide receiver who would be complementary to Hollywood Brown isn't really there. Like, I don't want to put Elijah Moore on that team because then you have too many players with the same skill set. And as fun as that would be on Madden, I don't know that that works really well within their offense. So I'm going to do something that I think Baltimore might be interested in, and that is swing the fence or swing for the fences with a really fun toolsy prospect. And that's Jason Away, the edge from Penn State. 
Yeah. He doesn't necessarily fit what they typically look for in edge rushers, but he is just an athletic unicorn. And I think putting him in that defense where they've just proven that they can develop edge rusher after edge rusher after edge rusher, he could be a massively impactful player in a couple of years. Are you not a uh, Terrace Marshall believer? Because I'm personally not. I, I have Terrace Marshall as my 13th overall prospect. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably too way too high. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. You said, wait, 13th overall prospect or 13th wide receiver? 13th overall prospect. Oh, gotcha. So I'm in the opposite direction. But um, he definitely would have been an interesting pick there for the, the Ravens as well. But I, I agree. Like I agree. Um, they, they do have a young receiver from Notre Dame, and I'm forgetting his name as well. Um, I'll look up on the depth chart. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, I just, I just drawing a blank, but I, I think, you know, uh, Miles Boykin, Miles Boykin. Yeah. He could be, and they do have Sammy Watkins, Devin Duvernay. So they, it's not like they're completely yeah. bereft of talent at the position. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that brings us to Perry. Yeah. Last pick of the first round. There's some interesting options here. Um, and I'm, I have a couple of guys that I wanted to take that are still here, but I'm just going to do something kind of wild because a running back has to go in the first round. And I know that they have Ronald Jones and I know they re-signed uh, Leonard Fournette, but um, none of those guys scream kind of your go-to number one. Um, and I really like Travis Etienne and I think that he would be really fun in that offense and every as we like to say every older quarterback needs uh, a back to lean on so that's going to be the guy for Tom Brady and definitely a little bit of a different flavor of a running back than they have with Ronald Jones and with Leonard Fournette getting somebody with a little bit more speed um, definitely could make some sense Um, I do know I think they picked somebody in what like the third round of last year as well whose name is eluding me but it's it a is it's the Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn yeah Keyshawn Vaughn uh, they picked in the third round they also picked up Giovanni Bernard but um, I still think that this could this could go in a million different directions for Tampa Bay and again just getting a really damn good running back as you mentioned Perry to just elongate because Tom Brady at this point could play till he's like 60 and I don't think any of us would be surprised so uh, this would help elongate his already insanely elongated career and I kind of tipped my hand stupidly before uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick 33. Um, I'm going Pat Fryermuth, uh, tight end out of Penn State. Um, we talked about earlier of, you know, surrounding your young uh, quarterbacks with, you know, great offensive line and then, um, you know, talent on the outside. But uh, to me, when you're a young quarterback, one of the best things you can have is a reliable big tight end over the middle. At some point when you're learning the game, you just panic and you just want a safety net that you have like a big six, six guy that you can check the ball down to over the middle. If you get to that panic phase and you're just not sure what exactly to do yet. So having a player like that and a lot of people who've uh, watched Fryermuth closely compare him a little bit to Tyler Eifert. Well, guess who he gets to learn under in Jacksonville? Tyler Eifert. So I think this makes a ton of sense for Jacksonville. And we wrap up things today with Pat Fryermuth, tight end, Penn State. Just to recap one more time, Trevor Lawrence goes one overall to the Jaguars, Zach Wilson two to the Jets, Mac Jones three to the Niners, Justin Fields four to the Falcons, Panay Sewell five to the Bengals, Kyle Pitts six to the Dolphins, Trey Lance to the Lions, Jamar Chase to the Panthers, J.C. Horn to the Broncos, Patrick Sertan wraps up the, uh, the top 10 going to Dallas. 
Jalen Waddell to the Giants, Rayshon Slater to the Eagles, Christian Derisaw to the Chargers, Micah Parsons to the Vikings, Trayvon Merrig to the Pats, Caleb Farley to the Cardinals, Devontae Smith falls to 17th and the Raiders, Jalen Phillips 18th to the Dolphins, JOK, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa to the Footballers, Zavin Collins to the Bears, Greg Newsom to the Colts, Tevin Jenkins to the Titans, Elijah Vera Tucker to the Jets, Quiddy Pay to the Steelers, Sam Cosme to the Jaguars, Aziz Ojolari to the Browns, Alex Leatherwood to the Ravens, Eric Stokes to the Saints, Rashad Bateman to the Packers, Christian Barmore to the Bills, Jason Owa to the Ravens, Travis Etienne to the Buccaneers, and Pat Fryermuth pick 33 to Penn State. We don't just do a first-round mock draft. We do a 33-team mock draft. Guys, that was fantastic. But before we get out of here, well, one, any thoughts on the mock draft? Any shockers? Any major surprises? I didn't see any any big surprises. There were a couple of players who went like a little earlier than I was anticipating and, and maybe a, a couple of guys who slid just a little bit. But I, I thought this was a really realistic mock draft. Yeah, I agree. Devontae Smith, 17 to the Raiders, maybe a little bit of a fall than maybe what's expected. But um, of all players who may fall, that's kind of in that top 10 category. I think Devontae Smith may be the guy just based on some of the height concerns. We'll see. He could go like six overall and it wouldn't shock me. But if he went 17, that's not like an insane shock either. So, Perry, anything for you that stood out? I mean, I never expected and I don't expect Rashad Bateman to fall as far as he did either. But again, like their team's all teams have multiple needs, and so it just depends on who um, who's going to reach for what they need first. Um, no, I think this is pretty in line with what we've been seeing, which means that come draft day, it's going to be completely different. Basically flipped on its head. Pat Fryer-Muth will be first overall, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, all right, so before we get out of here, this is our last time podcasting before the Packers' first pick. Andrew, you'll have the opportunity to talk on Friday, and maybe if they move down, you'll still get to make a prediction on Friday um, if they're picking early in the second round or if that's their first selection. But uh, we're going to pretend that they're actually sticking where they are and uh, picking on Thursday. So, um, Andrew, I will start with you. Who is your official prediction for round one on Thursday? Yeah, so I made this prediction on last Friday's show, and I would feel like such a cheater if I changed (laughs) it now. So I have to be consistent. So if the Packers stay at 29, and I think that's a huge if, I really do expect Gutekunst to move up or down, uh, depending on, you know, if somebody slides into his wheelhouse or, um, you know, maybe the board falls just a little bit differently than we had tonight and Bateman isn't there or somebody else that he loves isn't there. But if he sticks and picks at 29, I'm saying it's Liam Eichenberg, the tackle from Notre Dame. I just think he's so consistent, so solid. He can he can he can fill in for David Bakhtiari until he's healthy. And I think he kicks over to right tackle and he's your right tackle for the next 10 years. Yeah, I've I when I was talking with Ben Fennell about him a couple weeks back, we both just said basically like if we all of a sudden get to the end of day one and and the Packers pick him as their first pick, Eichenberg, it would just be like that should have been the most obvious thing in the entire history of the world. Like it just seems like, again, such a Packers pick. It was like when Brian Belaga was, you know, standing on the stage out of the University of Iowa holding up the Packers jersey. You're just like, yeah, how, how the hell did not everyone in the league know that that's exactly what was going to happen? It just looked so right. I think Eichenberg would feel very much the same way. Um, Perry, bold, or not bold prediction, but first round prediction for you. I'm in the camp that the Packers are going to trade back. Like, I feel so strongly about it. I wouldn't put money on it because Goot always surprises us, but I just 
can see him moving. Um, I actually could see them drafting Stokes at 29. Um, I know Andrew took him one pick before. That that feels like a very Packers Packersy pick. Um, the only thing I could see them doing is if Greg Newsom falls far enough. I think 21 is too high, um, but they have plenty of draft capital in sort of the fourth and fifth rounds to package something up and move up in the draft if a guy like him falls. But my my I really strongly believe this, and I think similar to Andrew, I've been saying it for so long, I can't back out of it now, is that the Packers are just going to trade back into the beginning of the second round. All right, I'm going to go in the exact opposite direction. There have been numerous reports that the Colts want to move down from pick 21. Um, they are also a team that likes to move down. We've seen Brian Gutekunst be aggressive in the past. To me, there is one player that screams off the page to me in this draft that makes so much sense. Premium position player, top end athleticism, super young, exactly what they look for. And that's Greg Newsom. And I know it's the obvious one. I know it's the one that people have been talking about. Listen, the last time the Packers have selected the guy that I want in round one was Vonnie Holiday. It is going to change this year. They are going to go Greg Newsom. They are going to trade up to do it with the Indianapolis Colts. Might cost them a couple fourth round picks, maybe another fourth. They're two fourths this year, maybe another fourth next year uh, to do it. They should get a comp pick back in the fourth next year. So I don't think that's going to sting too much, but they leave the draft with their uh, one of the top corners and that can come in and play either outside or inside right away. I'm speaking it into existence. Packers trade up and but how perfect would it be? He's selected at 21st overall can wear number 21 and there can be another 21 Newsome in Green Bay. Everyone can reuse their jerseys from 1996 or whatever it was. Um, it'll be absolutely fantastic. So I'm going Greg Newsome 21 with a trade up with the Colts. Nothing would make me happier. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. So let's go bold prediction or just any other random prediction um, that you have for the Packers in the draft. Andrew, we'll start again with you. Well, I think the boldest thing that I'm going to hear all day is that you wanted Vonnie Holiday over Randy Moss. Well, hold on. Let me let me pause here. One, I was, what was that year? Like 94, 96, uh, 90, yeah. I don't even know. But I was probably like 13 years old. So <laughs> my draft evaluation probably was better back then, to be honest, uh, if we're being real here. Uh, but I didn't expect Randy Moss still to be there. So like it would Fair. be like now if we were talking about like Jamar Chase. Well, like yes, if Jamar Chase is there, I would love Jamar Chase to be there. But like going into the draft is like realistic draft options. Bonnie Holiday was my guy that I wanted and uh, they took him and it worked out pretty great. Um, and that was literally the last time. Now, most of those have been good things. I really wanted Boss Bailey instead of Nick Barnett. I um, was very upset with Nick Barnett. Nick Barnett, much, much better than Boss Bailey. Um, there are certainly a few other of those as well. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, I'd be, I would love Greg Newsom pick 21. That, that's fair. And Vonnie Holiday looked pretty sweet in those UNC Tar Heel jerseys you did. when he was in college. And that, that was a big part of my evaluation back then. Um, <laughs> so at a bold prediction, I'm going to say the Chicago Bears trade up into the top 10 for a quarterback. And I think okay. I think they're going to end up committing a, a bunch of future resources and probably regretting it like they always do when they trade up for a quarterback. Uh, probably what a Trey Lance in that situation. Probably the last maybe a yeah. Matt Jones. Un unless we see an unexpected Justin Fields drop. But I, I would imagine that it, it would it would have to be Mac Jones in that situation. So e either Fields or Jones. I just don't know what they would do with Trey Lance unless. You, you see a head coach GM combination trying to extend their stay in Chicago by saying we have the promise of this really young quarterback. 
which I could absolutely see uh, being the argument if they went in that direction. All right, Perry, bold uh, prediction or other prediction for this week or this upcoming weekend? Yeah, so Andrew kind of was in the same. We we're, were thinking along the same lines, um, and I actually had the Raiders doing that. I, I just I know Gruden doesn't think Derek Carr is his guy, um, and 17 isn't so far away to go up if someone falls in similar fashion. So um, I actually can see the Raiders doing that too. And like I said, they always do something kind of wild every draft. All right. So I mentioned already that uh, the last time that something went the way that I wanted it to or expected it to uh, was uh, Vonnie Holiday with the Packers. So uh, my second bold prediction is going to be that that doesn't happen. That, of course, Green Bay does not end up with Greg Newsom in the first round. They go in a different position. Ultimately, I believe that Green Bay t- taking a corner in the second round makes so much sense. I just think there's so many talented corners in the second round of this draft that could potentially make sense from Green Bay. And you really just need one of them to fall uh, to pick 64, whether it's Inafatu Malafanu, Kelvin Joseph, Asante Samuel, Aaron Robinson, Elijah Molden, Tyson Campbell, Paulson Adebo. Um, there's a variety of players within that range. Even an Eric Stokes has been a second round pick. Maybe they move up a little bit for one of those guys. But um, I, I, it just seems to me that one of the strengths of this draft is a corner around that area of the second round, that there's still going to be a good one available. Um, so uh, assuming they don't get a, a Greg Newsom or a corner in the first round, I'd be very surprised if second round wasn't the area that they really targeted a corner in this draft. All right. I think that does it. Andrew, final thoughts. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm not excited yet. I haven't let the draft sink in yet, but I've done so much preparation. I I know you're in the same boat and we are Kyle, Maggie and myself are going to be staying up real late on Thursday night to get you the information about whatever the newest Packer is, or if they trade down, we're going to be helping you uh, cope with that and then previewing uh, what we're going to see on Friday. So, so definitely check out Packaday podcast on Thursday night slash Friday morning. Yeah, appreciate you doing that, by the way. I sometimes forget that, you know, obviously when you're slated for those days, whether it's a late Thursday night Packer game or uh, some of those obviously late draft nights that you guys have to do those late at night. So appreciate you doing that. Uh, Perry, uh, final thoughts today. Just looking forward to knowing who the Packers are going to have. I'm definitely more in the camp of someone who does all the research post-draft to understand who the new players are. Um, And so I'm really excited to dive into all those guys, whether it's seven or eight or 10 and they use all their picks. I don't know, but um, I'm definitely ready for it, for it to be here. Yeah, I've really tried to focus my efforts on the top 100 this year. So those first three picks I can speak very educatedly about, at least hope to. Um, And then, you know, as as rounds four through seven, um, really kind of like you, Perry, digging into them a little bit more afterwards, knowing at least the general gist of each of those players, but wanting to dig into them in a greater detail after the fact. Um, That's kind of my hope as we kind of roll around this week. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on this mock draft edition of the Packaday podcast. Thank you, Andrew and Perry, for joining me. This was a ton of fun. And as you mentioned, Andrew, I think a very realistic, at least as realistic as we can be a handful of days before the draft, knowing what we know at this point. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Make sure to check out uh, today's all new version of the Packaday podcast on YouTube. Uh, Make sure to subscribe both here and on YouTube. Uh, We greatly, greatly appreciate it. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.